practice of designating a particular place as a meeting place between earth and heaven, between the human being and the divine presence is as ancient as the story of creation. In Genesis, that place was a garden. Throughout the journey of the first covenant people, all manner of sites were appropriated to be holy places, places where God and God's people, or a representative of God's people, or a representative of God, like the heavenly messengers. There they shared visions, promises, and most of all, a commitment to bonds of friendship. These places called shrines marked both an original encounter and then stood as markers for future generations. And to arrive at one of those places required one to enter into the experience of the first pilgrims, the first travelers, to relive the spiritual meaning that was already attached to that place, a meaning that had transpired in that geographic place. And then to continue their journey, but to carry with them the memory to carry it forward as gift and grace that had come from ancestors and would then shape the faith and the hope of future generations. Such was the place where Jacob, in his dream, encountered the God of the Israelites, the God of the ancestors, the God of the covenant, the God of the promise. And both God and God's people, of course, met then in so many other places in the meeting tent, a sort of portable shrine on the mountaintop, a favorite place for the divine human encounter, and of course, in the temple. The Christian people never lost this tradition, but then chose and dedicated its own shrines, many of them actual structures, some very simple chapels, others grand basilicas, and still others that were quite open, like prayer gardens and grottos, and even caves in remote places. The original chapel of St. Mary of the Angels was one such place, known as the little portion, the Porticiuncula, I suppose because of its size, although the area where it was was often referred to as the Porticiuncula. It was built in a remote site in the woods near the town of Assisi.
Its origins are a bit sketchy. It may date back to the fourth century as a place for a small group of hermits who wanted to detach themselves from the world. They should see it now <laughs> because the world found it and continues to find it. Several centuries later, in the time of Francis, the 12th, 13th century, it is reported that Francis himself purchased it from the owners at that time, a group of Benedictines, in exchange for a basket of fish. Leave it to Francis to be so simple. And he rebuilt it. And then some 300 years after he died, a great basilica was built over it, around it, surrounding them. And the grandeur of that basilica is like the setting of a precious ring, surrounding and acting as a visible marker that can be seen for miles. But the little portion is the jewel of the setting the place of memory and solitude, the place of light and grace for every pilgrim that has ever set his or her foot on the path of Francis. The physical markers, whether they are grand or humble, whether they are Christian, or stand in some other faith tradition, or whether they are indigenous, like the Anukshuk of the peoples of the northern part of the Western Hemisphere. They are only made sacred by the people who inhabit them for their acts of piety and praise. It was John Chrysostom who said that it is not the church building that makes people holy, it is people that make the space holy. Such an exchange of holiness originates in the heart and the spirit of the women and men who gather, whether in solitude or in assembly, within the walls that have been made by human hands. The holiness of the place in its uses, but also in that intangible spirit, that intangible nature. Such places breathe. Did you know that? Such places breathe. They breathe us in and they breathe us That place is born from the lives of the sinner and the forgiven, of the well-to-do and the very poor, originating and born from the virtues of those who are seekers of something deeper, something more truthful and something more lasting than brick and mortar, steel and stone, glass and wood. And in that search, 
of which we are part, we become the markers. The markers of the ancient and ever new encounter between the human and the divine. It is true. We rejoice in finding a place to rest our weary souls. Portsiancola, surely one of those. To refresh our spirits and to worship our God in the company of others. But our task, really, so beautifully and convincingly enshrined in the life of Francis, is to be the visible and loving markers for all seekers and pilgrims, for hermits and busybodies, for all those who share our common home. For on this earth and in our world, let us pray that we might be united by this simple and ancient truth. God is in this place, and at last we know it. <laughs>